Thank you very much for joining me, ladies and gentlemen. This is Subliminal Message Studios. And as always, I am your host, Leonardo. You can find me on Anchor, Spotify, Facebook, almost any social media platform that is out there, except for Twitter, because I already got banned, and TikTok, because fuck TikTok. Thank you very much for joining me. Let's go. change in my pants has ordered 3,800 troops from the 1st Armored Brigade of the Army's 3rd Infantry Division based at nearby Fort Stewart in southeast Georgia. They are ordered to deploy quickly and bolster U.S. forces in Europe after Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And along with that, the Pentagon has ordered about 12,000 service members from various U.S. bases to Europe, with a couple thousand more already stationed abroad shifting to other European countries. Now, I don't know about you, but that does sound familiar to me. But it's not surprising at all, because it was just a couple of days ago when the EU completely walked out. They walked out. They walked out on any future of peace we could have had with Russia. But of course, it's always the Republicans that are still warmongering, right? You know, why are we still so crazy when clearly NATO and the Biden administration has made it very clear that they are willing and ready to drag the American people into a war that we don't want? But then again, I also wonder what Hunter Biden and the general Biden family thinks about all this after all the money they've made in Ukraine. Now, um, what are they saying to our soldiers? What are they telling our soldiers' mission is? Well, it's to train alongside military units of NATO allies in a display of force aimed at deterring further aggression by Russia. Further aggression by Russia. It's always Russia, I swear to God. Like I said, if you miss a child support payment, it's definitely Russia's fault. If you get a ticket in the mail, it's Russia. If you can't eat because you're too busy. It's Russia's fault. This is getting out of hand. Now, but what if Ukraine is the aggressor? Hmm? Has anyone asked themselves if Ukraine does have a Nazi problem? What if there is real merit to what Russia is saying about Ukraine having deep Nazi roots? Well, to find that out, we have to be students of history, don't we? Now, during World War II, the Western fronts of Ukraine sided with the Nazis. And not because they were scared. They just didn't want to stand up to the regime. And for other reasons. And I'm about to explain those. The Nazi party of Hitler's Germany in World War II was anti-Semitic. But the political ideology was fascist. The neo-Nazi groups in Ukraine are fascists. The white supremacists. And anti-Russian. And anti-Russian. And after World War II, the CIA helped the Ukrainian Nazis avoid the Nuremberg trial. 
This was done through Operation Trident, Operation Belladonna, and Operation Lynx. These all served their purpose, and after the CIA then began cultivating and infiltrating, this brought groups like the Ukrainian People's Movement in 1989 and gave birth to radical groups like Trident, Sabota, and the right sector, neo-Nazi groups pushing for the ethnic cleansing of Ukraine. When Nino Kovac beat Kershenko in the 2010 elections, his administration was pressured into joining the IMF Bank. Now, he didn't want his people to be controlled and conquered by debt, which is the IMF's formula for conquer by debt. So in 2015, the CIA began running and training camps for Nazis in Ukraine. And if you don't think that could be possibly true, might I remind you, it was the CIA program in Afghanistan that funded Osama bin Laden. That group became Al-Qaeda and attacked New York City on 9-11, which in turn created the U.S. war on Afghanistan and Iraq. Now, after Kovac denied the IMF, which is something you don't do to the devil, that's when organizations like the National Endowment for Democracy started to train journalists and activists to utilize Facebook. Thanks, Mark Zuckerberg along with three brand new televisions, would just so happen to all be formulated in these three weeks. These networks to recruit an unknowing Ukraine's into complete destruction. On November 30th, 2013, the Ukrainian chief of staff, Suri Lavishiki, highly allocated with the State Department's ordered the streets to be cleared for the erection of the annual Christmas tree. For weeks, this European capital has been the scene of a violent uprising. Today, the bloodiest day yet. More than 70 dead and counting. We are not terrorists. We are free people that, that want to live in a free, in a good country without corruption, with good laws. They were met with highly trained and highly skilled organized factions of Ukraine's right sector who provoked the police into attacking the peaceful protesters, which is all the Western media reported on. So, predictably, this resulted in less trust with the Ukrainian government and gave more rise to the extremism and violence. And with the Senator John McCain backing up the protesters, leaked phone calls revealed that the U.S. State Department was ordering the coup d'etat from within the U.S. Embassy. What do you think? Uh, I think we're in play. Um, the... The uh, Klitschko piece is obviously the complicated electron here, um, especially the announcement of him as deputy prime minister. And, and you've seen some of my notes on the troubles in the marriage right now. So we're trying to get a read really fast on where he is on this stuff. But I think your argument to him, which you'll need to make, I think that's the next phone call we want to set up, is exactly the one you made to, to Yacht. And I, I'm glad you sort of put him on the spot on where he fits in this scenario. And I'm very glad he said what he said in response. Good. So uh, I don't think Cleet should go into the government. I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's a good idea. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess you think, well, in terms of him not going into the government, just let him sort of stay out and do his political homework and stuff. I'm just thinking in terms of sort of the process moving ahead, we want to keep the moderate Democrats together. The problem is going to be Tony Bogan and his guys 
and you know, I'm sure that's part of what Yanukovych is calculating on all of this. Um, I'm I, kind of, I think Yads is the guy who's got the economic experience, the governing experience. He's he's the guy, you know, what he needs is Cleach and Tony Book on the outside. He needs to be talking to them four times a week, you know. I, I, I just think Cleach going in, he's going to be at that level working for Yatsenyuk. It's just not going to work. Yeah, no, I think, that's, you know? I think that's right. Okay. Good. Well, do you want us to try to set up a call with him as the next step? My understanding from that call, but you tell me, was that the big three were going into their own meeting, and that Yavs was going to offer in that context a three-way, you know, three plus one conversation or three plus two with you. Is that not how you understood it? No, I think I mean that's what he proposed. But I think just knowing the dynamic that's been with them, where um, Klitschko has been the top dog, he's going to take a while to show up for whatever meeting they've got. He's probably talking to his guys at this point. So. I think you reaching out directly to him helps with the personality management among the three, and it, and it gives you also a chance to move fast on all this stuff and put us behind it, behind it before they all sit down and he, um, he explains why he doesn't like it. Okay, good. I'm happy. Why don't you reach out to him and see if he wants to talk before or after? Okay, will do. Thanks. Okay, I've now written... Oh, one more wrinkle for you, Jeff. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember if I told you this or if I only told Washington this, that when I talked to Jeff Felton this morning, he had a new name for the UN guy, Robert Seri. Did I write yeah. you that this morning? Yeah, I saw that. He, he's now gotten both Seri and Ban Ki-moon to agree that Seri could come in Monday or Tuesday. Okay. So that would be great, I think, to help glue this thing and have the UN help glue it and, you know, fuck the EU. No, exactly, and I think we've got to do something to make it stick together because you can be pretty sure that if it does if it does start to gain altitude, the Russians will be working behind the scenes to try to torpedo it. And again, the fact that this is out there right now, I'm still trying to figure out in my mind why Yanukovych did that. But in the meantime, there's a party of regions faction meeting going on right now, and I'm sure there's a lively argument going on in that group at this point. But uh, anyway, we could uh, we could let Joey set up on this one if we move fast. So let me work on let me work on Klitschko, and if you can just keep, I, I think we want to try to get somebody within international personality to um, come out here and help to midwife this thing. And then the other the other issue is some kind of outreach to Yanukovych. But we'll probably regroup on that tomorrow as we see how things start to fall into place. So on that piece, Jeff, uh, when I wrote the note, uh, Sullivan's come back to me, the uh, VFR, saying you need Biden, and I said probably tomorrow for an attaboy and to get the deeds to stick. So okay. Biden's willing. Okay, great. Our Thanks. With support from then Vice President Joe Biden. Now on February 20th, some unidentified snipers fired from government buildings occupied by the protesters began shooting into the crowd indiscriminately. Now, Union Kovacs' home and offices were taken by armed mobs, and a new government was put into place with the neo-Nazi elements that would accept the IMF's conquer-by-debt formula. Now, soon after, this began the extermination of Ukraine's Russian-speaking population in Dubas. By the thousands, as a result of these atrocities, Crimea joined Russia at 96 0.7% approval from the people of Crimea. But, what? but okay. what did the Western media claim? Crimea was being taken over. And what was the Western media's proof? 
some Russian military that's been there since 1804. So what exactly is going on in Ukraine? There's so many different aspects to this war. The Biden administration has been involved with Ukraine since, since 2004. And it's not just that. This is not the first time the IMF has sicked its jackals on other countries. Just to give you a quick rundown of some other countries where these types of scenarios have played out, Iran, 1953, CIA-based coup, coup. Congo, 1961, another CIA-based coup. Indonesia, 1965, Guatemala, 1954, then Cuba, 1961. And right now, the White House is directly funding neo-Nazis in Ukraine. That is off regime. That's right. The American people directly are funding Nazis. Because it just so happens also in 2015, Congress passed a spending bill that allocates hundreds of millions of dollars to Ukraine. That was done in 2015. Though it was later modified to allow the funds to be given to directly to the Ozov regime. This makes you feel all good and warm inside, doesn't it? So while Ukrainian's telegram channel of dead Russian soldiers promotes worldwide death, we have to wonder, how far are we willing to go for a country that clearly wants war with Russia and wants to bring the entire planet in it with them? With no regard for life, no peace, the EU is walking out of any peace agreements, even taunting Russia by putting nuclear arms on Russia's border. What are we doing to ourselves? This is all madness on all fronts. And in a nuclear war, ladies and gentlemen, there are no victors. But just to remind us all, the China and Russian relationship have no limits. World War III is almost in full kickoff right now. The Swedes are reconsidering the idea of joining NATO. But the one country that should join NATO to stop this war is Russia. But the EU or NATO will not discuss that. Did you guys know that Bill Clinton was asked by Putin in 1999 if Russia could indeed join NATO to stop any future war? That didn't happen. Now the Swedish, even though now the Swedish, even all throughout the Cold War, nothing could convince them of joining NATO. But now they're considering, isn't that convenient? Not for anyone but them. The last time Swedes offered help during wartime was in 1939. But now that nukes are involved, it seems like that's the right time to join, doesn't it, Swedes? Well, ladies and gentlemen, did the American embassy remove all documents from the biowarfare labs in Ukraine? These bio labs are funded and jointly operated by the U.S. State Department of Defense. The laboratory documents were public knowledge up until February 25, 2022. These documents included important construction, financing, and permit deals for bioweapon laboratories in Ukraine. But now the U.S. government is scrubbing these documents from the Internet and becoming less transparent with this critical information, and it is critical. Of course, now that gain of functions research is more open to the public, that is. They're not calling people conspiracy theorists anymore for saying it's going on. Now, however, the U.S. DOD funded at least 15 different biolabs uh, bio in Ukraine. At least eight of these are bioweapon labs are operated exclusively by the U.S. These laboratories consolidated and secure pathogens and toxins of security concerns to conduct enhanced 
biosecurity, biosafety, and biosurveillance measures through international research partnerships. Each facility costs the U.S. taxpayer anywhere from 1.8 to over 3 million scrutals. Now, the DOD facilitated the permit process to allow Ukrainian scientists to work with passages of pandemic potential. And the U.S. DOD works directly with the Ukraine's Ministry of Health. Some scary shit. Now, uh, the State Service of Ukrainian Food for Safety Consumer Protection and the National Academy of Argarian Sciences and the Ministry of De- uh, and the Ministry of Defense. This network of bio labs include facilities in Odessa, Ventizia, Ozagor, Lviv, Kiev, Korinson, Tombala, Crimea, Lewinsky, and two suspect facilities in Kharkiv and Markaliv. And in recent years, many of these labs have reached biosafety level two status, allowing scientists to experiment with viruses and bacteria. And until February 25th, 2022, the existence and details of these bioweapons labs were public knowledge. The U.S. Embassy had previously disclosed the locations and details of these laboratories in a series of PDF files online. And on February 26, 2022, the official embassy website shut down the links to all 15 bioweapons laboratories. Is another virus leak just waiting to happen? Or did it already happen? And we are still very unaware of its existence until it's too late. And as far as the right to free speech, we here at Subliminal Message Studios, we want to hear both sides of this war because the first casualty of war is the truth. Dear comrades, I would like to say that the special military operation is unfolding according to schedule, according to the plan. All the goals set by us has been achieved. The Defense Ministry is going to give a more detailed report about that, Mr. Shoigu, please. And I will never renounce from my statement that Russian and Ukrainian are the same people, even though the people from Ukraine were intimidated or brainwashed by the Nazi propaganda of his soldiers. And after he was heavily wounded, he kept on fighting until the last. And he killed himself and uh, fighters around him with a grenade. He did this because he understood he understood who he was fighting, new Nazis who were taught torturing prisoners and killing them. I'm a Russian man. So I have Ivans and Marius in my close family. But when I see such hero who's from Dagestan, who's from Dagestan, who's Dagestani ethnically. When I look at my other soldiers, I want to say that I'm Dagestani too. I'm Chechen, I'm an English, Russian, Jewish, from Mordovia, from Ossetia. More than 300 ethnic groups there are in Russia. It's hard to list all of them. I think you understand this, but I'm proud for, with being part of this world, part of this mighty, strong, multi-ethnic, people of Russia. And I will never renounce from my statement that Russian and Ukrainian are the same people, even though the people from Ukraine were intimidated or brainwashed by the Nazi propaganda. And some of them even 
decided to follow the Bandera ideals or other Nazi collaborators who fought on the Hitler's side during the Great Patriotic War. And the fact that we are fighting against new Nazis is proved by how the hostilities are going. Nationally, the new Nazi units that are using foreign mercenaries from the Middle East also, they use civilians as human shields, hiding behind their backs. And we have facts, we have pictures of how they deploy heavy weapons in the residential areas of their cities. And that's how gangsters act. Areas from the kindergartens, from hospitals, they do the opposite. They put their mortar guns, they put their tanks, they put their cannons, and they are taking foreign citizens hostage, thousands of young people, students who were studying in Ukraine colleges. So for more than one day, they kept three, more than 3,000 Indian citizens at the demonstration in Kharkiv, and they continue keeping them there, including 576 people in the city of Sumy. New Nazis opened fire on Chinese students who wanted to leave Kharkiv, two of them wounded. Once again, hundreds of foreigners want to leave the hostility zone, but they are not allowed to do that. Basically, they are taking prisoners, trying to delay their relief, or they want to evacuate them via Lvov to Poland to travel across the entire area of hostilities, thus risking their lives. Our military opened safe passage green quarters to allow them to live safely. They are giving them transport so that civilians, foreign citizens, get an opportunity to move to safer zones. And once again, national leads are not allowing this to happen. More than that, now they are telling foreigners to address, to appeal to their authorities, and then authorities should address the Ukrainian foreign ministry. Basically, they are throwing them under the gunfire and they treat, neo-Nazis treat their own population even worse. They are hiding behind their backs, they are using them as human shield. Our military witnessed such facts as in Donbass, Severodonetsk, Lysychansk and other cities. People from the high-risers, they were crowded. And then they were broken walls in the lower floors and they were putting their tanks and cannons, putting snipers and machine guns on the roofs. Only fascists used this kind of military tactics. They were inhuman to the local population. And that's when Soviet troops, Soviet forces, tried to liberate the land from their presence. We try to avoid casualties among civilians and unfortunately they are taking casualty as well and it is our duty to support the families of the dead and wounded brother in arms who were fighting for our safety for the people of Russia. All the family members of the servicemen who died during the special military operation in Ukraine, they will get the insurance payments that they guaranteed by law, 7,421,000 rubles. And monthly, 
they will receive a compensation for each family member of those who died. But other than that, I think we should have additional payment to every family of those who died from the defense ministry and other law enforcement agencies who participated in the operation with a lump sum of 5 million rubles. All the servicemen who were wounded during this operation, they will be also getting payment. What I mean is insurance and lump sum for being wounded, being shell-shocked, being injured in any other way. If servicemen will not be able to continue their army service, they will get 2,968,000 rubles. And if they become disabled, they will get monthly welfare. It is already stated by law. But at the same time, I think we should have additional payments for the defense ministry servicemen and uh, soldiers from other law enforcement agencies participate in this operation and are wounded. And I'm talking about 3 million rubles. And once again, now, in the Ukrainian land, our soldiers and officers are fighting for Russia, for a peaceful life, for the people of Donbass to denazify and demilitarize Ukraine so that no anti-Russia that has been created by the West next to our borders didn't threaten us. With nuclear weapons as well, as it was happening recently, our people is proud of our armed forces. We will always remember our fallen brothers comrades. We will do everything to support their families, their children, to educate them, to support their close ones and loved ones. So let's honor the memory of our soldiers who died during this special military service with a minute of silence. Dear comrades, I would like to say that the special military operation is unfolding according to schedule, according to the plan. All the goals set by us has been achieved. The Defense Ministry is going to give a more detailed report about that. Mr. Shoigu, please. Dear comrades, on 24th of February, we have started the special military operation in Ukraine. And we wanted to protect our people in Donbass, to ensure security of our homeland. Russian soldiers and officers are acting bravely as true heroes. Our servicemen are fighting resiliently with absolute understanding of the righteousness of their cause. Even after being wounded, soldiers and officers continue fighting. They sacrifice themselves, their lives, to save their brothers in arms and civilians. During the battles, our servicemen and militiamen from Donbass they really show heroism. I would like to talk about 100th Brigade that acts near Donetsk. Alexei Berngandr, Colonel Alexei Berngandr, near Volnevaha, they pierced through layer defense. Nationalists have been building and equipping this defense for almost eight years. The commander of the tank squad 
Lieutenant Viktor Sokolnik during the battle destroyed five tanks. On 25th of February, near Chudinka, commander of the company 163rd Tank Regiment, Captain Alexey Lovkin, faced units of nationalists that had 15 tanks and six personal carriers, armed carriers, and he destroyed all the vehicles and five tanks. He reached the goal set to him without any casualties. I have signed a decree about awarding Lieutenant Nurmagomed Gachimagomedov and the title of Hero of Russia, unfortunately, posthumously. During the battle, he led his fighters with confidence as a true commander he was trying to save lives of his soldiers after being heavily wounded he fought until the last and he blew up with a grenade the fighters around him and himself he did this because he understood he understood who he fought against new nazis who were torturing prisoners and killing them horribly i'm russian and as the saying goes, I have Ivans and Marias among my families mostly, but when I see examples of such heroic behavior as this exploit by this young guy, Mr. Nurmagomedov, a Dagestani luck person, other our warriors, I would like to say I'm luck as well. I'm Dagestani, I'm Chechen, I'm Ingush, Russian, Tatar, Jewish, Martin, Session. There are more than 300 ethnic groups, national groups in Russia, and I can go on and on listing them. I think you understand why I can't do it now, but I'm proud of being part of this world, part of this mighty, strong, multi-ethnic people of Russia. And at the same time, I will now never renounce my statement that Russians and Ukrainians are the same people, even though part of Ukrainians were intimidated, a lot of them were brainwashed by the Nazi propaganda. And some of them did this deliberately, followed the path of Bandera followers and other collaborators of Nazis who during the Great Patriotic War fought on the side of Hitler. And the fact that we are fighting neo-Nazis is proven by how the fighting goes. Nationalists and neo-Nazis units and among them, there are foreign mercenaries as well, including mercenaries from the Middle East, hiding behind civilians, using them as human shields. And I've said that before. We have facts, we have photographs of how they deploy heavy weaponry in residential areas of cities. And that's how they do. That's how the war's gangsters are doing it. And instead of fulfilling their promises about removing the weapons from residential areas, from kindergartens, from hospitals, they do the opposite. They put more mortar guns, more tanks, more artillery in there. And they are taking hostage foreign citizens, including one thousands, thousands of students, those who studied went to college in Ukraine for more than one day at the train station in Kharkov, 3,179 Indian citizens were held prisoner there. And they're still there, most of them are still there, including 576 people in Sumy. 
neo-Nazis opened fire on Chinese students who tried to leave Kharkov. Two of them were wounded. Once again, hundreds of foreigners want to leave the area of hostilities, but they are not allowed to. Basically, they are taking prisoners, or they suggest to evacuate via Lvov to Poland. So they want them to move across the entire hostilities zone, putting their lives under risk. Our servicemen opened corridors in all the areas where the battle is going. They are providing them with transport so that civilians, foreign citizens, had a chance to move to safer zones. Once again, national leaders are not allowing to do that. More than that. Now they are telling foreign citizens to appeal to their authorities, and their authorities are supposed to appeal the Ukrainian foreign ministry. Basically, they are throwing them under fire. What's worse, neo-Nazis are treating their own population even worse, even their own people. They are hiding behind them. They are using them as human shields. Our military are talking about such facts in Donbass, in Severodonetsk, Lysychansk, and other Donbass cities, people from the residential high-risers, they are crowded in the middle of the building, and then on the bottom floors, on the ground floors, they deploy tanks and cannons, and on the roof, they deploy machine guns and snipers. Only fascists use these military tactics. They use such an inhumane attitude towards civilians when Soviet forces fought against them, including when they liberated the territory of Ukraine. Our soldiers and officers try to avoid civilian casualties, and unfortunately, they take casualties themselves. And our duty is to support the families of our killed in action and wounded in action who fought for the security of our homeland for our people people of russia all the family members all the servicemen who died during the special military operation in ukraine will get insurance payments as per the law and lump sums more than seven million rubles and they will also get monthly a compensation to every family member of those who were killed but other than that i think it is necessary to have additional payment to every family of those who were killed I'm talking about servicemen of the Defense Ministry and from the officers from other soldiers from other law enforcement agencies of 5 million rubles. All the servicemen who were wounded during the operation will also get compensation. What I mean is insurance payments and lump sums for getting wounded, injured, or shell shot if a serviceman can't continue his contract with the armed forces, he will be reimbursed with 2,800,000 rubles. If they become disabled, they will get monthly welfare. All these measures are already in legislation. At the same time, I think we should have additional payments for the servicemen of the Defense Ministry and of other law enforcement agencies that participate in the operation and who are wounded which is 3 million rubles. Once again, I would like to underscore, now in Ukraine, our soldiers and officers are fighting for Russia, for peaceful life of the people of Donbass, to denazify, demilitarize Ukraine, so that no anti-Russia that has been built by the West next to our borders 
didn't threaten us with nuclear weapons as well as it has been happening recently. Our people are proud of their armed forces. We will always remember our fallen comrades. We will do everything to support their families, their children, to educate them, to support their close ones and loved ones. Let's honor the memory of our warriors who were killed when they were realizing their duty during the operation in Ukraine. Please. Dear comrades, I would like to say that the special military operation has been unfolding in according with the schedule, according with the plan, all the goals. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Please like, subscribe, donate to this channel. Bringing you this information takes time. It takes a lot of hard work. Please donate, like, subscribe to this channel. Follow me on Rumble, guys. Um, I am trying out the algorithm here, algorithms here at Rumble. So um, please start following me here, guys. Thank you very much for joining me, ladies and gentlemen.